Okay, so if you were here for the very first week in January 2023, we said, we asked a simple question. We said, what are you building? And we said, have you got a vision, a plan, a purpose of something that you're building for 2023? And then we simply said this. We said, you know what? You're not going to build it with your own strength. You're not going to build it by depending on your own ability. You're going to build it by leaning on and depending on the presence of God. And we said, Zerubbabel was told by Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so then we went into week two and we simply said, if you need God's spirit to build, you need God's spirit to paint a better picture. And we talked in week two, we said, you know, everybody is an artist. Everybody is painting a picture. The problem is some of what we're painting isn't particularly good. In fact, we're called to paint a picture of what our heavenly father looks like. The world is looking to Christianity to say, show me what this God of yours looks like. The Islamic people, they're telling you what their God looks like. The Hindus tell you what their God looks like. The Buddhists tell you what their God looks like. And sometimes the Christians have got to stand up and say, this is what our God looks like. But if we're being honest, how many people know that sometimes the picture we paint isn't the best picture painted? In fact, if I'm being honest, I would say to you, one of the reasons so many people don't come to church is because of the picture that is painted. And we said when Jesus came to earth, his whole goal, his mission, not his whole goal, okay, we understand he came for salvation, he came to save the world, but can we say when Jesus came to earth, one of the things he did fantastically well was he painted a better picture. In fact, when Philip asked him in John, show us the Father, Jesus could look to him and say, if you've seen me, if you've seen me, if you've seen my life, if you've seen the way I treat people, if you've seen the way I behave, if you see the way I respond, then you have seen the Father's heart for humanity. From Malachi to Jesus, there was 400 years of silence. No prophetic word, no utterance, no voice. And the picture had become more and more and more distorted. A copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. We had a few years ago, we had a door lock here and we kind of went and got a copy cut because somebody needed a key and then somebody else needed a key so we took that copy down to Mitre 10. We said, can you cut another key? And then somebody else needed a key so we took another key and we took the copy of the copy of the copy and do you know before long, I started having all the leaders come to me going, my key doesn't work. My key's broken. My key doesn't work. And all of a sudden, we've got to change the locks. We've got we can't get access. No, no, no. No, the lock was fine. Do you know what the problem was? The key was broken. We were using a copy of a copy of a copy. And sometimes that's how Christianity is. You haven't experienced him for yourself. You're using a copy of a copy. You're painting from a picture that you saw maybe as a child in some religious institution. You're painting from a picture of what some other Christian told you he maybe looked like. And sometimes the pictures that are painted are really harsh. And so we talked about that. We said we need to be a people that would paint a better picture. Week two, are you ready? Week two, we talked about Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. And we said it came into week two. And Jeremiah says to them, I'm going to read the scripture out to you this morning just to make sure I get it right, really. That's the only reason I need to read it. When I find it, it'd be even better if I had it here. It said, thus says the Lord. Jeremiah is talking to the Israelites. He says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. The word glory, we said, was to boast or to brag. And we went a little bit further. We said the word glory means to shine a light. 
Can we go a little bit further? It says the word glory means to paint a picture. What is it you're boasting or bragging about? What is it you're shining a light on? What is it you're painting a picture? And the problem is we said that so many people, it's not what medium they're using. It's not whether they're an artist with paint or pencil or clay. It's the problem isn't the medium. The problem is not how you're painting, but rather who you're painting. And Jeremiah says, Don't, can you stop painting a picture of yourself? Can you stop showing everybody how great you are? Can you stop making it all about how, how wise you are or how strong you are or how rich you are? Because when you do that, you're shining a light. You're painting a picture about the wrong things. You, we're all good, right? It comes down to week three, where we are today. And we're going to read verse 24. He says, but let him who glories... Let him who shines a light, let him who brags or boasts or paints a picture, let him paint this picture that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these things I delight. Let's paint this picture that he understands and he knows me. You know, for so long, as I reflect on my own life, I realise that I've often wanted to make myself look good. And when somebody made me look bad, I was angry, I was upset, I was discouraged because they said or did something that made me look bad. And all of a sudden, the picture that I wanted to present, the painting I wanted to show everybody, wasn't a picture of how good he is, it was a picture of how good I am. And I was discouraged or hurt or saddened when that picture made me look bad. Maybe you've had children that do the wrong thing and, and they go to school and the school rings you up and they have to talk to you. I've never had that, but some of you have. And they tell you that your child isn't living up to school expectations and following the policies and procedures in school. And it makes you look bad. And then your kid comes home and you want to parent and police that, not because you want the best for your kid, but because you want to Look better. Is there anybody else like that? Is that just me? Sorry. I, maybe I was just on a tangent, you know. Sometimes we can want the church to grow or we want to go, be a part of a business that's successful or we, we want to drive a cool car, not, not because we want to get from A to B, not because it's more economical or efficient, but, but sometimes just because we want to shine a light on how good we are and how cool we look. Has anyone... I'm going to jump over. Has anyone ever seen that... That uh, old puppet show, if you're over 30 or 40, you're going to probably know it. I could be scary here and go, it could be when you're over 50. Um, does anyone remember, put your hand up if you remember a show when you were a kid on TV called Mr. Squiggle. Yes. <sighs> can, you, can you just please make my heart break up here in front of everybody? Can you put your hand up if you've never heard of Mr. Squiggle? All the young adults and the young people just put their hand up. Put your hands down. You guys, you know, that's terrible. Let me tell you what you missed out on. For anybody who remembers, you remember Mr. Squiggle? He was a little puppet. He was Mr. Squiggle, the man from the moon. It was so cool. We're not going to sing anymore about Mr. Squiggle. But Mr. Squiggle was a, pencil, was a puppet with a pencil on his nose. And he had two different people over time. He had Miss Jane. That's the one I remember. And then I was looking the other day and I had Rebecca. And it's like, oh, 
Miss Jane is the one I remember. And people from all over Australia, they get these pictures and they go, oh, oh, look, Mr. Squiggle, Jonathan from Bushman Court Drover in Jimboomba, he decided to send in this. And they put it up on the paper and it would be like four lines. It made no sense at all. It was the weirdest show ever. But then Mr. Squiggle would spring into gear and he would jump around. I'm trying to jump around and draw with my nose, aren't I? Let's calm that down a little bit. I just realised sometimes it translates in my head, but then when I start doing it, it just looks really weird for anybody watching at home. So we'll just bring that back a level or two. So he would then bounce around and he would draw this picture. You remember that story? Like he'd, he'd turn this picture and then, and then he'd stop and he'd stand back and, and he'd look at Miss Jane. He'd go, all done, Miss Jane. And you would still be looking at it sometimes, looking at this picture thing. And I got no idea what he drew. Anyone remember those times? And do you remember what he would say to Miss Jane? He would look at her and he'd go, it's upside down, Miss Jane. It's upside down, Miss... Everyone say, come on, it's upside down, Miss Jane. (laughs) And so they would turn this picture around and all of a sudden the thing that didn't make any sense would make total sense, yes? Whew, where is this going, Phil? I don't know, I just wanted to tell you about Mr. School. No, I wanted to tell you that because sometimes the picture you're painting is just upside down. It's not that you shouldn't have some happiness in what you've achieved. It's not that you, but it's that it's upside down. And when God is on the bottom and he becomes your galactic butler that serves your plan to make you look good, it's upside down. You are supposed to take your wisdom, your strength and your riches and point them to him and make him look good. You are supposed to delight in the picture that says you are absolutely amazing and astounding and I love you and I give my entire life in service of letting everybody see how good you actually are. But some of us have painted a picture that's upside down. So today we're going to turn that picture the right way up. Because he says, what, 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 boast, shine a light on, brag, paint a picture in this that you know me. What was he supposed to know? Paint a picture in this, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight. He wants us to paint a picture on these three things. Paint a picture about his loving kindness Paint a picture about his judgment. Paint a picture of his righteousness. And when we paint that picture, our picture is the right way around. When we use our strength and our wisdom and our wealth to paint that picture, the picture is the right way around. And all of a sudden, the people will see the right picture of God and not the picture of us. So this morning, I'm going to unpack those three things. It's really simple. We're going to look at the Hebrew when it comes to those three things. We're going to see it the way the Hebrews saw it. We're going to look at it and go, when he said loving kindness, when he said loving kindness, paint a picture, delight in this and paint a picture, shine a light on my loving kindness. What does that look like? Can we go back a little bit further? I love this. I wrote it down after I sent my notes through, so there's no scripture coming up. But Psalms 103 verse 7 says that when he was talking to Moses, he says, he made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The children of Israel saw what he did, but Moses knew why he did it. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. What I want to do today is dig a little deeper, and I want to see his loving kindness and his judgment and his righteousness and come to know him. I don't just want to talk about it. I want you to 
know him. Let that just settle for a minute. I want you to know him. Not just to see a picture of his loving kindness, but I want you to understand what it means. And I want you to know it in your innermost being today. He says that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness. The word in Hebrew is keshed. Now, if you're a Hebrew scholar, you can go ahead and correct me on my Hebrew pronunciation later. Put your hand up if you're a Hebrew scholar. Any hands? Good, in that case, that's the way you pronounce it. Anyway, (laughs) the word is keshed. And we're going to look at this this morning. In its root, the word means to bow. Can you paint a picture? Can you shine a light? Can you brag on a God who bows? Can you paint a picture? Can you shine a light? Can you brag on a God who bows? What does it mean to bow? When they said, I want you to paint this picture, delight in the fact that you serve a God who bows, what does it, what does it mean? It's a weird word. We read the scriptures quick, don't we? We read them and we go, oh yeah, paint a picture of his loving kindness. Yeah, thank you, Phil, that's great. Well, no, no, no. Paint a picture that we have a God who bows. What? You know, in the East, when you meet someone from Japan or you meet someone from those Eastern cultures, what do they do as a sign of respect? You know, this Bible was more East than it was West, right? And so the concept is that God bows. And, and here's another thing. You know, when they bow, the deeper the bow, the longer they hold the bow, the greater the sign of respect they're showing you. God bows. In Exodus, in Exodus 7 and 8, it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down. I have bowed down to deliver them from the hands of the Egyptians. I have bowed down to hear their cry. And I have bowed down to deliver them. I wonder if when Jeremiah was talking to the Israelites, if he was saying, listen, you got it all wrong. The picture's the wrong way around. The picture's the wrong way around. You don't tell God what to do. You serve a God who bowed down to help you and save you. Stop. The picture's the wrong way around. Stop showing everybody how great you are and say, hey, hey, just so you know, our God, when we were slaves in Egypt, our God bowed down and heard our cries. When we were slaves in Egypt, our God bowed down and sent a man to deliver us. Is that the God you serve? And is that the God you're painting a picture of? And can we go a little further because we've gone from the Old Testament because that's all they had. But we come to the New Testament and we get to see an incredible picture of God bowing down found in Philippians 2 verse 6. It says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, everyone say, made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Does that sound like we serve a God who bowed down? We serve a God who was in the form and the substance 
of God who bowed down and took on the form and the substance of a man. And then he went further than that. He took on the form and the substance not only of a man. He didn't come as a king or a ruler or an emperor to usurp. He came down even further. He came down to your level. He bowed down to your level and he came to serve. He humbled himself and he came to serve. In fact, he went even further, didn't it? Because he said he bowed down and humbled himself even to death, death on the cross. That's what we're meant to point to. That's the picture of the loving kindness of God. Oh, I don't know if God loves me. You serve a God who bowed down. You serve a God who could have stayed in heaven, but he came down to earth to set you free. You serve a God who came down and stepped into your time and didn't come as a ruler or an emperor. How many people are rulers or emperors in this place? How many people could have related to a king or a prince or a ruler or an emperor? How many people can relate to a servant? How many people can relate to somebody who is on the lowest form? Me. That's the God we serve. He came down to the lowest station, to the lowest place to connect with everybody. That's the God that we point to. That's the picture that we point to. I want to show you another scripture of this same Jesus in John 13. It says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hand, And that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and gird himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Can I ask you a question? How many, can you imagine Prince Harry washing people's feet? Can you imagine Prince William washing people's feet? You can't, can you? Yet we have a king who bowed down to serve his disciples. We have a king who bowed down in loving kindness to wash his feet, their feet. That's our king. And I want to ask you the question, do you know him? Do you know that king? Is the king you know the one who bowed down to your level to connect with? Is the king you know the one who gave up everything so that he could come to you? Is that the king you know? Or is the picture you paint of a king, some aloof, distant God sitting up there waiting to make you do the right thing? See, the problem isn't, the problem isn't who he is. The problem is the picture that we've been painting. The problem is sometimes the picture we have is not the picture he presented. He presented a picture of a man, of a God who would bow down and come to our level. That, for me, sounds like loving kindness that he would come down and he would save a painter an apprentice painter he would save a schoolyard failure he would save somebody who was amounting to nothing and he would bow down to that level and meet him on the beach at Burley Heads and, and reveal himself to him that's my king that's a picture I want to paint Not of some distant, tyrannical God. If you don't worship me, you don't do the right thing, I'm going to get you. Can we go to the next one? Let me tell you the next one. It says, because we're supposed to not only glory in the fact of his loving kindness, which means to bow down, and the other thing we glory in, point to, shine a light on, paint a picture of, is judgments. Now, right now, we can already, like, you know, the religious people in here, they're real excited. They're like, yes, that's right. Yes, he did all that, but then he comes to judge you. 
and he comes to make sure you're doing the right thing. And if you didn't put your tithe in properly, he's there to get you. And if you didn't lift your hands high enough in worship, he's there to get you. And if you weren't nice to your neighbour, Nerida, he's there to get you. I don't know who your neighbour is, but you know he was talking to me the other day. <laughs> Real awkward if they were having a problem, hey, you know. Can we pause the problem? Just like if you were watching this video, you would hit pause right now and you'd go, stop, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because we say judgment, right? Hey, put your hand up if you've ever heard that word. The judge comes to give a judgment and a ruling on a situation. We say it and we go, yes, that's God. He's there to judge people. We mentioned this a few weeks ago. It's not that that's wrong. It's just that it's very narrow. It's a really narrow view of God. And so can we go a little, just back up a little bit? If you don't, first of all, have a God who bows down to take your place, if you don't have a God who has nothing but loving kindness, then it's really easy to see that other God, isn't it? It's really easy to see a God who just wants to get you. It's really easy to see a God who has a stick to just beat you into shape when you do the. Some people have a God who sits with his stick just looking over, waiting to get you. And that's the God that they paint to everybody. And so anybody who has sin in their life, they present, the first picture of the God they present is, oh, oh, oh be careful, because that God comes down, and if you're caught still sinning, whoomph with the stick, to hell you go. Well, I'm not sure about you, but that does not entice me to have a relationship with him. That makes me want to move away from him, not move towards him. But Romans says that it's the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. Could it be that perhaps our view of judgment is just a little narrow? Could we maybe expand it and paint a bit of picture today, a better picture, I should say? The word judgment in the Hebrew is mishfat. Again, if you speak Hebrew, it may be wrong, but since no one here speaks Hebrew, it's right. It means to judge. As I said, our understanding of a judge or a judgment tends to often only focus on the punishment. But if you went to the Hebrew, if you actually go, you can do this. You can, all of you can do it. You go to Google, right? It's so cool. You type in the scripture, Jeremiah, 20, Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. You go to the Bible hub, you open it up, you go to the Browns Diggs Bible um, lexicon, and it will tell you what the word judgment means. And it will say this, judgment doesn't just mean to judge. It can also mean to plead can mean to plead it can mean to avenge it can mean to condemn it can mean to execute it can also mean to defend and to deliver now if your first picture of a god is a loving kind god who bows down does it sound like he's coming to condemn and to kill you and execute you or does it sound like he's coming down to defend and deliver you see it's why we say you've got to get that first picture right if for god so what for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when that first picture becomes a foundation, you begin to build on that. The first picture is a God who loves. The first picture is a God who comes down in kindness. The first picture that they wanted him to get, when Jeremiah is talking, he said, listen, stop shining a light on how good you are and start shining a light on how great he is. And the first picture I want you to shine a light is a God that bows down to rescue you. The second picture is a God who comes as a judge to deliver you, to avenge you. To plead your case. Isn't that, well, that sounds like something, something the Holy Ghost was called, an advocate. 
to come to plead the case of the people. Jesus stood in our stead to plead our case. That sounds like a great picture of the judge, doesn't it? Who comes with a ruling. He doesn't come with a stick, he comes with a staff. He doesn't come with a stick to smack you into shape. He comes with a staff to guide you in the way that you should go. Can I say to you, if that's not the picture you have, then perhaps you have the wrong picture. In fact, Isaiah 118, one of my favorite verses, Isaiah 18, 118 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They are red like crimson and they will be as wool. Can I go a little further? If you were in Israel today, if you're in Israel today, the word for the Israel court is Beit Din, Mishfat, Shalom. It effectively, roughly translate means the courts for making peace between people. The word judgment is given with the context of making peace, not punishing. He doesn't come with a stick to punish. He comes with a staff to bring you into harmony. Picture in Isaiah, though your sins be a scarlet, like that's vivid red, that's a red blood pouring out. Though they be that vivid, I will make them as white as snow. But can you just come and reason together? Does it, he says, can we reason together? Can you bring your sin to me and talk it out? Who's ever thought of a God that wants to do that? Would you bring your sin, and can we just talk about it? Would you bring your struggle, can we just talk about it? Would you bring the fact you hate your neighbour, and we just talk about it? Will you bring your lascivious attitude, and we'll just talk about it? Because what I really want to do is bring my staff and lead you in a way that will bring harmony and peace. That's the judgment that God wants to show you. That's the picture. And I say this, church, so much. That's the picture that we must be painting. I heard a, I heard a great one through the day. I'm going to share this really quickly because I see the music team's getting ready to bring you into that worship again and cause you to sing wonderful, happy songs. They're awesome. But I heard this great story the other day. A young man was talking to the pastor and the young man, the pastor was telling him he needs to come to Christ and come and acknowledge Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. And the young man said, can I still smoke weed? <laughs> Brazen young fella. And the pastor said, Are you ready for this? I love this answer. Yeah. Young man's like, you can hear it. Even now it's pretty awkward, isn't it? Right. Can I still smoke weed? Yeah, why not? You mean I can come to God and still smoke weed? And he went, yeah, if you want, if you can. So I don't have to stop smoking weed before I come to God? No. In fact, can I go a little further? And I love this analogy he brought out. He said, let me ask you a question. When you go to work and you're working through the day or you're playing in the schoolyard and you get all dirty, right? Yeah. Do you? Do you clean yourself up before you jump in the shower? Or do you get in the shower to get cleaned up? See, when we paint a picture of a God who loves us, 
We paint a picture of a shower that wants to cleanse us. You don't have to be clean and get your life all prim and proper and perfect before you come to Christ. You come to Him with everything and you reason to Him. And you sit down and you go, Lord, you don't understand. I really like this weed. I'm using that purely metaphorically. (laughs) And God can sit there and He can talk to you about it. He doesn't come with a big stick to beat that out of you. And if I see you look at another foil, the fact that I know what they're called is weird, right? Moving on. He doesn't come to do that. He comes to reason. He comes to talk to you and walk with you and help you to be free. He comes to set you free from your addiction with this constant sense of sanctification where he just talks to you about it. Just talks to you. She loves you. You serve a God who bows down and came to you. You serve a God who comes not with a stick, but with a staff. He doesn't come to berate you. He doesn't come to beat you. He comes to love you and lead you in a way that's healthy. We all know if you're consistently doing weed, it's not particularly healthy. It's not going to bring peace. Well, in the moment, not in the long run. The enemy always promises something in the moment doesn't deliver in the long run. God says, I want to walk with you. I want to come and let us reason together. Can I give you the last one? You're going to boast. We boast in the righteousness of God. The word righteous just simply means upright, righteous, one who walks a straight path. The problem is Isaiah 64, 6 says all our righteousness is like filthy rags. We try and come to God and make ourselves look good. He says, it's like filthy rags. Actually, what I want to do is take the righteousness from my son and give it to you. Abraham was made righteous, not because he suddenly became a better person, but because he just trusted in God. And as he trusted in God and he stepped out and he did what God called him to do because he knew he had a God that was loving and kind. And he knew he had a God who wanted to defend and to deliver him. And as he walked with his God, the righteousness was imputed to him. Can I say that's the same for many of us today? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He took my sin, my failing, my weakness, my shame, my guilt, he carried all that and he gave me his righteousness. We get to walk in his, that's a picture we need to be painting. Not how good I am, but how good he is. How loving and kind and generous and slow to anger and quick to forgive. I ask you, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Holy Spirit, would you paint a new picture on our heart? Holy Spirit, Sam mentioned it right at the beginning, that navigational tool that says recalculating. Holy Spirit, I get that same picture today, that some of us have pictures that are so distorted and don't accurately reflect the love of God. And I'm asking 
Would you recalculate that picture? Would you turn it around? Holy Spirit, it's not my words, but your work that'll make a difference. Would you speak to your people? Would you paint another picture? And with every eye closed, every head bowed, I just want to ask a question. You're in here today and maybe for the very first time. And this is brand new to you. And the picture that you've had painted in the past was a picture that kept you at distant from God. But today there's a new picture taking place in your heart. I just want to give an invitation and ask if, if that's you today, would you ask him to paint that picture fresh on your heart? Would you invite Jesus to come into your life and paint a brand new picture on your life? A brand new picture on your heart. A brand new picture of what marriage could look like if you had a good, loving, kind God. A brand new picture of what your business could look like if you had a good, kind, loving God. A brand new picture of what your relationship could look like if you had a God who didn't come to beat you but came to lead you. Just simply say, Jesus, would you paint a new picture of my heart? Lord, I'm here to follow you. Would you paint a new picture? If that's you this morning, you'd like to ask God to come into your life and paint a new picture. Would you put your hand up real quick where you are? I would love to see your hand and then just ask God to paint that picture. Great. One. Is there anyone else? Two. Awesome. Three. Great. Four. Anyone else? We're just going to ask God to paint a picture. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm actually believing this is a decision you're making between you and God. Some of us have been kept arm's length from a God who so wants to draw us in because of the picture that someone else painted. So I'm going to just pray while the team comes and worships. Holy Spirit, those people who've put their hand up, And even if they didn't just yet put their hand up, I pray right now, paint a new picture. Jesus, come into our hearts and our lives and paint a new picture. Let us be born again, born of your spirit to paint a new picture. Father, we want to follow you and know you and delight in knowing you. And so we ask that you would paint a new picture in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.